Hey guys, just a quick heads up before you dive into this episode. It's not our best when it comes to sound quality. It was our first time that there were three of us total. We learned a lot of lessons. You'll see what I mean. Just bear with it because the episode itself is amazing and the girls are amazing and the content is great. But the sound, eh, you'll forgive us. Hello, we're here for another episode of Den Talks. We're so unbelievably lucky to have Elizabeth Cott and Steph Simbari here, the girls behind That's So Retrograde podcast. If you haven't checked it out yet, do yourself a favor. It's an honest and very funny take on the wellness world. They're both fierce ladies who have done very well in their own rights before That's So Retrograde took off. Elizabeth, co-founder of The Zoe Report and creator of Closet Rich, and Steph was a successful actress and comedian and writer. They're an unstoppable team, but just because their life looks super charming doesn't mean it always was, and we will cover all of it. Also, at the end, don't forget they are going to lead us in a personal practice, which is a connection practice, correct? You guys, I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. A, because you're so much fun, so I know no matter what, I'm going to have a good time for like the next hour. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's all about me. So let's start from the basics. How did you two meet? At a party. Really? Just a party? LA? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just <laughs> seriously, was it love at first sight or no? I think so. Yeah, for was sure. It? I felt like I already, I think we both were like, we already knew yeah. each other. It was very, it was like a familial comfort thing at the, at the get go. Yeah. yeah. And so then you guys just started hanging out all the time. Yeah. Pretty much. You just, so how long were you friends before you started doing the podcast? Well, we were friends for a couple of years and then we started writing um, comedy sketches together, fashion comedy sketches together. Oh, which lends both of who we they are. Really, um, <laughs> often loved merging genres yeah thing. yeah exactly <laughs> don't go together now go together yeah i know which i love about your podcast <laughs> and um so that was a really just incredible creative experience for everyone involved like we had two other girlfriends who now um, were you a writer at all or was this a totally no i had I taken i way, had taken but... an improv class just for fun and then as i was driving to the final like ucb performance thing i was like Oh, I'm so straight. Comedy sketches now. Like it just was a very clear, very very clear hit. And you're like, who do I call? Yeah, I knew exactly who to call. <laughs> this one. Yeah, it was. And then we. So I had a company called Closet Rich, which was an online consignment business. And so we. It was a way to sell the clothes. So we styled all the actors that were in the sketches in the clothes that were available. Oh, yeah, it was pretty fun, and they were all fashion related little uh, anecdotes that we turned into sketches. It's basically like um, an abortion sketch, but like us shopping in a store and like us arguing about if it's a purse or a handbag, handbag in a car. So what is it? A purse or a handbag? A purse. It's a purse. <laughs> Do you hate handbag? No, that was no, like we, Oh, it was pocketbook was oh, yeah. the thing. Oh, yeah. she was and like, we kicked something, like we kicked her out of the car. We're, we're like, get out of here. <laughs> I got a pocketbook does feel yeah. like super old. Yeah. Wait, then what was the, oh, it's oh, also like panties or underwear. Dicks. Yeah. Right. Ooh, they're Which both one? bad. I know they are both bad. I, I never really said panties. Oh, I know. I don't like the word panties. Or slacks. Are... That's a hard one too. Slacks is hard. Yeah. Pants. Pants. Pants works. Yeah. I say underwear, I think. I think I say underwear too. You? Underwear. Yeah. But people say panties all the time. I just don't. Really it feels really young, which is what makes me, like, feel uncomfortable Right. It. Yeah. So yeah. now I could go off on a whole other thing. Right. Yeah. to be, like, hairless or not hairless. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Let's have a whole different podcast. Um, so we had that experience <laughs> together, and then um, just by way of all these crazy, fun events that the universe put in our way, we started doing a podcast. 
So how, who, was it one person's idea? Did you guys come up with it together? Like, how, it was, did it, how was it born? Well, we mm-hmm. had an opportunity to pitch podcasts. So mm-hmm. I was styling a show for the E! Network and the production company that, it's a whole long, like, connect the dots thing, but the production company that was doing the TV show was starting a podcast division as an incubator space to bring different concepts to into different mediums. So they thought like, okay, if it works for a podcast, then maybe it could go into digital or TV. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like and then the podcast is the world and, and I, nobody gives a shit about bringing it the other Exactly. Way. And so then I knew, I, I had like grown up with the person who was head of that division. And she like had legitimately grew up, not literally like grew up, like, like literally knew her since I was five years old. And she previously had been at WME and she had just got me into the room for various meetings like throughout my career. And then she just happened to be now working for this production company that I was styling this TV show for. She was like, give me any ideas you have. And then that happened. And then Steph came in and it, the concept evolved. And then here we are. I love that. So. Your two friends, I'm sure you get asked this all the time because friends do fight sometimes. Like, is it hard to like navigate the relationship at times? Yeah. yeah I love how you both <laughs> like, who I dares mean, it's answer. It's not this. like unbearably hard, but it's like we are friends and we talk every day about work. And right. so it's like naturally, I think with any relationship. You get annoyed with each other, right? Yeah, of course. And like but what we've well, been who's able, more annoying? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, obviously, I think she is. And she thinks I am. <laughs> um, but we've been able to do something really cool, which is because we do a spiritual podcast, wellness, whatever, like mindfulness, yeah. consciousness. We were early on able to work with one of our astrologers who basically like laid out our chart side by side and was like, "This is your deal. This is your deal." We we actually have like incredibly like crazy corresponding composite charts where we're like mirror images of each other yeah, that's amazing yeah they're all like every single reader is like you guys know you're like soulmates right and we're like everyone does everybody that. trips <laughs> out like anyone that looks at our chart trips out over yeah. our charts in as, as a like, composite as, chart oh, yeah i love that so yeah. that's definitely been like helpful i mean i think moving forward in my life with anyone you like, would do that when i get a serious partner i'm gonna be like before we go any deeper, let's because well, it gives you like understand. an overview. It's like yeah, it's like a roadmap to like the two of you together. 100%. Yeah, we basically did couples counseling for our working relationship yeah, through astrology. Smart. Yeah, have you through astrology? Have <laughs> you ever been in a fight while doing a podcast? Like, have you ever been in a fight that hasn't been able to been resolved, and you're actually interviewing? We've someone definitely been like, and there's like underlying shit happening. <laughs> We've been like passive aggressively annoyed with each other, and then finished a recording. But we don't really fight like that. Yeah. Like, it's not like we fight about anything. We're just, like, like so cunty sisters. Yeah. Got it. Like, but it no. just happened before we got here. Yeah. And oh, it's really? cool. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Should we talk about it? What happened? Oh, it was just, like, it was just, like, run of show, like, confusion, and then just kind of, you know, we we, we always confront it right away. Yeah. We don't really let things, like, Are one fester. of you more, like, do one of you confront more often than the other? Like, is one of you more... Yeah, like, hey man, this happened, this happened. Yeah, because like, we don't ever want it to like fester. Yeah, so we always brain. just say the thing if we were annoyed. I mean, look, it's what also makes your podcast so amazing is the balance of your personalities. So it's obviously working. Thanks. And you feel like, and you feel like High sisters. Five. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I think that when you're close with someone, with the luxury of that is that you aren't afraid to be your full self, whether that's like pretty or not. And that's what we're all striving for. Right. And like when you work so closely with someone, you, you can't be like nice. You can be 
kind. We, we try to be kind, but then sometimes we're just like passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive. And it's just like, <laughs> that's the way it is. Honestly, and like then we let it go. And then we let it go. Like, there's good. not like a holding on situation. So, Elizabeth, yeah. you're in a relationship, right? And you're not because you just said when you're. So, does that, do you feel like, are you a third wheel sometimes? It's like, do the three of you hang out a lot? Um, or is I don't it more? I feel third wheelish with them because I actually introduced them. Ooh. So, I like knew Joey before. She, sorry, can we not name drop? You can say it. You can say it. Peter Joseph Green. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like I feel like so inside in like a beautiful way to like their relationship. Um, The only thing that is hard for me is just being like not in one in general sometimes. Well, I was going to say the question probably what I should have said more than third wheel because that's not what I was going for was more does he ever feel like the third wheel? Oh, is really what I think I should have asked. I feel like you guys in a weird way are such a beautiful, lovely couple. And like you said, the fact that you can be yourselves completely around each other. Yeah. Is it hard for the other person? One of the things that's really special about him is he can hang. Yeah, he's very easy. Yeah. Do you feel like you have that same, and maybe I'm getting too personal and feel free to tell me to back off. Do you feel like you have that same openness with, like for me, to be honest, like I sometimes feel like it's harder for me to show that part of myself to my partner than it is Mm. for a girlfriend. Right. Like for a girlfriend, I have the ability to like strip it down so much more than like with my partner. Mm. Do you feel that at all? No. Well, what's interesting is, you know, Steph's a comedian and so is Joey. So, and you understand like rolling with that crowd it's yeah. like a like the the rules are different like yep. you you're, it's a it's a different type of openness it's a different type of listening it's a different type of just interaction that I don't really want in any other way like it's the most fun like I feel very honored that my close group of friends are all these like insanely talented funny people and I just kind of get to like roll with them and you know be witness to hilarity and me and joey have an ongoing fake rivalry yeah that we hate each other <laughs> or we like get on the phone he'll like call her on bluetooth and i'm like shut the fuck up joey and he's like i don't want to fucking hear from you and it's like this fake like really fun and, and then, then i joke that it like, hurts my soul yeah, and like, i can't deal with it i just it. want you to get along it's a whole bit it's a i love it. it i love it it's like so you do play act what i was kind of yeah yeah, 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 it's yeah fully just like fully yeah a joke yeah have you, do you guys know you do this podcast that's obviously in the spiritual wellness, mindfulness, what other words do we use, world? We try um, not to use wellness because we think that that word's turning gross. Ooh, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Let's just talk about that now. Yeah. It's, I, well, I mean, it, the article just came out that's a trillion dollar industry and I think once things get monetized in that way, I mean, God bless. I'm just happy about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, right. is, I yeah. It's good for all of us. It's good for all of us, but like, it like it's, it's just overly used and it's like what does that word mean like it's such a nuanced word that means something different to anybody um so it's just more like what is the show it's consciousness it's alignment it's well-being it's living the good life how do you feel about the word authenticity yes love love yeah I think I'm trying to think of other words I feel like are used a lot that some people it's like their panties. You know, right. I, I feel you on that word in that way. I actually like it because every time I try important. and find a different word, a word I always another, go back to it. My yeah. authenticity in terms of trigger word is curator, curation. Ah, that's that's another which one. Which you guys probably get all the time. Well, no, from, the, like, from fashion, that, that was like the that was like the hot word. That's interesting. As I was coming up in What it. about like journey? <laughs> I mean <laughs> great band. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't I don't care about that one as much. I mean look, they're all just like things to describe a great thing. Yep. So to be too upset about any of them I think is sort of like bad for our business and our brand. <laughs> yeah. But I just don't think that we don't want to be categorized as a wellness podcast because A 
that's becoming like such a populated, saturated like corner of the world that we're just like, it's more than that. And it's, we're not doing it to be buzzy. Like I think we nailed it a couple months ago when we were like, we're just like trying to find out what's good. So how do you feel about that? Because I get it too in a world that I, I feel it also, it's becoming super saturated. And I find that an all prongs of it, which means locations, trends, which you guys dive into all the time, trends, teachers, leaders, how, since you guys are out there and you're diving into every single one of them and testing them out and experiencing them, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like you guys have a good bullshit meter? Do you feel like you're able to see? Do you feel like you fall for it sometimes? Like, how is that? That's a great question. I think at the beginning of our show, in the you know, we've been doing this over three years now, we were very much like exploring the trends because that was the, that was the gateway for us, right? right? So like, I cringe when I think about like our juice cleanse episode. Right. Like that to me is Why? like, because like I would never do you. a juice cleanse me now right. <laughs> yeah. in a million years. Yeah, I know. I, and I like, like no shade, but I, we both love chewing a lot. So <laughs> that's just no like shade. not for us. But I think in that particular episode, we were like very gung ho about a juice cleanse. But sorry, not to interrupt you, but the thing, the thing about the juice cleanse, it's, it's not just we want to chew. It's like the, now we have increased knowledge about what your body actually needs to cleanse such as fiber I was just gonna say one of those things is fiber and so when you're just drinking juice you're not your body isn't like doing its processes so now that we have more information we're like oh sorry that we sold you that yeah but like we were okay because we didn't know and that's part of the the journey journey. (laughs) like our whole thing like one of the mantras that we picked up from one of our guests down the line was um permission to be the beginner yes and when you give yourself that like it's it's perfectly okay in my heart and soul to like own up to be like we were beginners we didn't realize like you said we didn't have the information mm-hmm. so but also if you're honest about where you're at yeah and you're just owning you're, you're representing exactly yourself which I think is I mean I felt the same way when I opened up the den because people are like oh do you teach you do this I'm like no I don't teach like this is why I'm opening it for this reason and I'm not going to pretend I'm opening it up for other like I'll own my role in this right yeah and I it was actually easier for me to do that so I never felt false in anywhere I was yeah working. we're just holding too. Space. Yeah, like we were we've, holding space should be another one. <laughs> I think in the beginning we were like let's talk about all the keywords as we go through. We'll just ding them. All the words you're gonna hear no a million dictionary. times on this podcast. Um, I think in the beginning we were trying to be, you know, experts in some capacity, and then we very quickly realized that we didn't know anything, and we're like, okay, from now on we're just gonna be curious explorers, and from that place it's given us the liberty to grow and admit when we're wrong and fuck up and whatever, and that way it's not like oh, now we don't have to take responsibility for ourselves, but it is a little bit like, hey, we're just with you. We're just figuring, we're figuring it out. out. too. So now do you feel like you've had you've had a few years in this, you've learned more. I'm guessing from all the work too, you're probably just more in touch with your gut and yourself. Do you feel like, and also the world has grown a lot. And so people are entering it left and right. And some are beautiful and magical and amazing. And some are like, I need to pay the bills and this is another way to do it. Do you feel like you can sense that difference? Absolutely. You know, we get, it's really cool. Like we've created a platform in which people want to be featured on. And that is like, I mean, I don't, that's nothing we would have ever, that's nothing we would ever plan for. But when that happens, it's like a huge honor and we don't take that lightly at all. But, um, you know, there's a lot of like pitching and like, you know, people reaching out and, that's really cool, but that's not really how we do it. Like we, it's very important to us that people who are f- featured on our show, who we speak to, are part of our 
our everyday wellness exploration. So like we come to them in like whichever way, whether it be just happening upon them by experiencing a class or meeting them at the farmer's market or a friend who's been on the show has then recommends somebody like that's more how we do it because things because like coming from a blind email like a pitch just it's really hard like commodifies it well it's the same thing because I get pitched for teachers all the time and that we have them come in for demos because it's like you can't just hire someone off their resume in this world because so much of it it's it's bigger than that and, you know, we've had experiences with, you know, a million different kinds of readers, whether they be psychic or yeah, energy, energy yeah. the, the, the list goes on and on. And I think what's just crazy is that there's so much like irresponsible behavior in that. So what realm. do you feel? And you don't have to mention names like what to you, especially like with reading, because that is can be very irresponsible because you're dealing with people's energy. Yeah. Do you remember any like moments where like, oh, fuck, when that was over and it just felt not OK? Well, a couple of different times things have happened where we've been like, we've got to shut down this space for a second. <laughs> like no We're more reading. No more readings. Like and we went probably almost a year like saying like no re- like it wasn't until I met Shannon really that I was like I'm open to another intuitive person Shannon Aganza yeah, who's the, an amazing because uh, astrologer right but it's amazing. when you do shut it down then you your your bullshit meter goes up because you're saying no so then you know yeah. what you should say yes to a lot of that. people are like I really want to reiki you yeah and we and had I'm to like, be like no it's your dirty energy <laughs> up us. Like, but that's what I mean like I know. especially with people wanting to like because you you are such a great platform have you ever left feeling like something was off well I'll say something do you mind if I share the thing so we went and got readings well it wasn't even really what was it really was it a reading or it was more like a which time are you talking about oh I know you're talking about and the person said something (laughs) to Elizabeth like about her relationship and it was just like a like off base negative presumptuous and hurtful and then, like, literally in the middle, I was like, okay, like, you're no longer allowed to communicate with her because you're using whatever skill or talent or intuition that you have, and you're putting it on someone who clearly is not not in a space to receive that right. and isn't aligned with what you're saying. Didn't and ask. as a reader, didn't ask. Well, that's a big thing. Didn't ask. And as a reader, you should know that. You're so fucking intuitive. You can't tell that you're saying something damaging to a person. Like Bedside manner is a huge, huge thing. Especially... Especially in this world where people, people, I mean, see within you, I mean, in whatever regard that means, emotionally, intuitively, energetically, yeah. But it's like what you said, where it becomes about their ego and their own need to prove to you that they have that ability. Don't you find it fascinating, the ego in this world? Because it is so... It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And I'm sure you, like, you, well, both of you can talk to this because, you know, Elizabeth, you come from the world of fashion and you come from the world of, like, entertainment. So it's not like any of us are strangers to the world of ego. But I think when you kind of work in, like, this business, you expect it to not be as present. Yeah, but that's why I'm literally writing a show about this because it's the funniest thing in the world. So tell me your take on it. It's so funny. Like, <laughs> it's There's no place where ego is funnier than in a shaman. Right. Because they're so diametrically opposed, opposed that the only place for them to meet is where comedy is thriving. Yeah. So I kind of, if it's not directed at me personally, then I can see it as very funny. I know, and it's directed at you. But if it's directed <laughs> at me, I, I don't do well with those kinds of things. It's very confrontational. It, it's fun. I've, I've seen it so many times too where I'm like how am I seeing this clearly like I'm not the spiritual leader here like how am I seeing so clearly what's happening to you and you're the one who's actually like supposed to be 
the teacher. I mean, it's like wild, wild yeah. country. Yes. So what did you, did you both watch that? I didn't finish it, which so is it's so doc- weird. People don't know. <gasps> I know. Talk about a show that was on Netflix. Which is like that. I love a good cult doc, and it just like it took me a second, took, and I haven't I, finished. It took me a while too, but yeah, I, it was. It got when they all went crazy is when it got really. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't turned that corner. I, yet. I was like, I don't know who I am anymore now that I finished watching this documentary. Like, so good. Well, because it turns everything upside down. But it just raises like the essential question: is like, can you be a leader like in that sense without ego? Is it possible for a human being to transcend their ego, like at that level? At that level, when you're when so many people are putting you on that pedestal, yeah. and you're like receiving all that, and energy. they're making you yeah. God, and they're giving you material gain too. So he, his whole thing was like, I'm a spiritual materialist, and it's like on some level, I feel like we are like that too. Obviously, we're not OSHA, but we're like we could have nice things and be conscious, conscious, like right. it's That's, not one or the other. But you're also not purporting to be. I think that's not yet. No, I'm yeah. Well, by the way, <laughs> call me. But that's the because I mean that's an interesting conversation of like the monetary transaction. Like yeah. everyone does, in the modern day world, you got to take care of your shit. Yeah, right? and there's no reason you shouldn't be able to make money. And I don't know what the answer. I don't know if it's how you identify with it. It's like take care of yourself, do well. It's okay to make money if you know and help people, but. I think, how do you identify with that I think money? The how answer, are you identifying with it coming in? And what are you attaching to that? I think the answer is that you have to give more than you receive. That's a good one. When I think you that's... are at that level. Like, you can't be... Like, he was, like, adorned in jewels and driving... Know, and like, the Rolls Royces, right? $300,000 cars. And just, like, he was amassing so much wealth. And, like, yes, they were giving the teachings, but they weren't giving, like, in a way that was really bringing another level of human up. And I think that's why he became, like, so inaccessible. And then he, disappear- mention- I mean, he disappeared for you, like, right? Didn't he not speak for, like, four years or something like well, that? Well, then, but, you know, he was speaking in private. He just wasn't publicly talking. Right. He was speaking in private and, like, having orgies and taking laughing gas. It always turns <laughs> so weird sex. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, the he through line sexual. for all of these. That was his whole thing. And he was yeah. always about, like, connecting through. Which, look, I mean, there are, like, great arguments. But, yes, it did. The problem is then it gives it all a bad name. Yeah. People think it's just this weird sex cult. But, you know, well, you asked what our favorite, one of the questions you ask is, like, what was one of the influential books? And, like, to be honest with you, like, Osho's book, Love, Freedom, and Aloneness, was, like, so influential for me. At 20 years old. Did you know any of this about him? I knew nothing. I did. I I knew not. I did not. All I knew, because I read a bunch of books and then I like caught wind of just this information, which was like, then it got weird and they poisoned an election. Like that's all that I knew. They poisoned an election. Yeah, like they like they wanted to win the town, so they poisoned everyone. That's all I knew. I didn't know like the but then the way that it came to me was it was the people, it wasn't him. But it was always like that. He was always like shrouded and protected and like worshipped. That woman did go a little crazy. Tough titties? Yeah. Sheila? <laughs> yeah, Sheila. Tough titties. Perfect, perfect descriptor. I she, love her. She was great, but she went a little crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's that's when it's, like, the reverence getting in the way of, like, sometimes practicality Reality. and common sense. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Which I think we've all probably seen. It's mm. amazing. So, were you guys spiritual before? Did you have a spiritual practice before you started this podcast? Were you, like... How much of this started when you actually went on the search in the podcast and how much of it was already inherently in who you guys were? I think I was like spiritually curious, wellness curious. It felt very like inaccessible, which is I think the big motivation in starting these conversations between Steph and I is like we would be curious about something, we'd be Googling it and it just like didn't feel like they were speaking to us. Like it didn't feel like the information was – accessible or like 
reiterated in a languaging that felt cool. And we were like, okay, what if we had those conversations? I mean, that was really the precipice for the show. And then like Steph and I both did yoga teacher training separately, um, life training courses, all that fun stuff. And so we both were on <laughs> have, like a life training course. Well, like, yeah. but did you guys actually take a life training I course? Did. I did. I did. Was in a life Obviously. training course? Well, it was in Costa Rica. It was actually with the guy who's across the street, whose name's Eric Pascal. So, and he's like, yo, so it was beyond just yoga? Yeah, so it, so it was two parts. There was a life training course and then the and yoga teacher elect- training. Electric soul yoga. Yeah, but it used to be, um, um, I forget the name. It'll come to me. Um, it's a yoga studio out of Michigan that is also yoga here. shelter. Yes, yes. thank you. There you go. And I don't know why the um, they, <laughs> but the, their whole pitch is like, well, they te- there's courses for there's tra- you get trained to drive a car, you get trained for whatever your job is. Like no one's training you how to do life. So the um, I can't rem- uh, I can't remember the guru's name that they we there's a book that it's kind of all based guru off of Mike. <laughs> and um and uh it was super helpful at that age I think I was 25 like what were they teaching you was it like just how to make decisions it was like kind of daily practice and like the importance of like study and so just being, how to bring like yeah we the, was the whole thing was like 30 days no alcohol no drugs no sex you had to be completely vegan it was really just like a, a cleansing a cleansing it. of your like current practices that might be tripping you up and like kind of opening your mind into a more clear modality of thinking. So you guys both did like stuff like that. I kind of love that. They had I went to Costa Rica today, right? and did that. I just did like yoga teacher training, but <laughs> <laughs> I learned nothing about life. Yeah, no, I learned about the fascia. Um, no, but I was more um, like into spirituality, like in, in like right in the beginning of college. I was and like in my I only recently started talking about it, but it's only because it started coming back to me. It's like, I was very, like, religion curious as a child, but I grew up with my, a Catholic family and a Jewish family, so it was like, I was almost separated from it because... Did you, were sides, any of them influencing you at all? Or? Well, my Catholic grandma was, like, really influential to me, but then, like, my mom kind of caught wind of, like, her trying to, like, make me Catholic, like, low-key under the radar, even right. though she was cool with me being Jewish. So then it was like, I was kind of taught that that was bad. In a way, you know, where it's like, you can't go, but I just love, like, the reverence of, like, a spiritual place. I always felt that power, but I never liked, like, temple. I never liked the, like, the structure structure of it. it. So I kind of, like, separated myself from it. And then when I started reading, like, Osho and things, like, literally, that was, like, one of my first introductions um, and, like, you know, Tibetan books about... You know, let's not take that away from him, though. Like, no, in everything it, we it just said, I mean, he's still, me. like, been such a huge influence for some... I mean, the fact that you're even saying that was kind of a gate that opened you up is it amazing. It was, yeah. yeah. You know, a little I, sad when you find out stuff later. But. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I'm 18 years is. old, and I'm suddenly... I remember when I had my bat mitzvah, like, the one thing that I was obsessed with was... Did you have this where you had to go... We had to go to, like, all different places of worship to, like, study religion in order no, to, like, become... super open. Yeah, it was really cool, and I remember... We went to Universal Universalist Unitarian Church, uh-huh. and the with the fucking Bible was like a binder of just like passages from every religion, and I was like, "This, like, this is the coolest." And that's kind of when I realized that like everything was saying the same thing, and I needed that because coming up in a household that was like you were so not religious because they just didn't connect on that. My parents are divorced. If anyone was, <laughs> <laughs> like, it started 
then and there. Yeah, that was pretty much the basis. But um, then, like, the OSHA stuff, and then starting discovering yoga in college, and then it just kind of was just like, oh. So it's so interesting, because when you talk to both of you, you clearly had it in you. Definitely. Always. So now you both did very different things, but how did you get on these other paths and talk about how you got off of them? Like, and not by off, you might not be fully off of it. Right. So, but, like, you helped co-create the Zoe Report. Yeah. So, like, what happened there? That's, like, amazing and huge. Like, are you... Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what that started as. It's And now they just sold a bustle. Like, it's wild. Are you so proud of yourself? You should be. I think now, yeah. <laughs> are you so I'm proud so, of yourself? Like, it's very I cool to be attached to that. I being proud of themselves. I love that question. I think that's a great question. Yes. You know, it's. I was hired by Rachel when I was freshly 24. And that's incredible. And My lucky number, by the way. That... Nice. And, um, you know, like what a amazing, cool thing. Like I was such, I was an actual fan of hers and what she'd created. And I've always just been so drawn to people who create their own paths. And, um, I think she's such an amazing representation of that. And just like who, like what other quote unquote, like celebrity stylist was able to just like charge the way in the way that she did. Um, there's been many after her, but you know, I feel like that that was just such a like she just kind of like set that trend in such a cool way so it was really fun to help build that brand and what that looked like and I think the reason why I was hired is because I represented their audience and I think that that's a little bit of the through line throughout my career it's like always been like an innate understanding for what a demographic wants and is looking for so with that's a talent because not everyone can do that even when they are part of the demographic thanks so you know with so with the Zoe report like that there was that and then when working at the Zoe Report, it was me having like a constant influx of clothing coming in and like, what do we do with this as women? Like, I'm at work all day. I don't have time to go try to sell it. Like, wouldn't it be cool if someone came and picked it up and then sold it and I got a check in the mail and I wouldn't have to worry about it? And then even the stuff that couldn't sell, like, let's find a cool charity for that to go to. And that's how Closet Rich was born, which was my other company. So that, so I was just like, you, it's like, what's the saying? Like when you, um, uh, invention born from necessity so that's where that came from and then you know cut to so retrograde like it was just like a lack of information and a curiosity for the conversation and when you left Zoe Report yeah and then you and you sold your company where did you ever have any moments of like what the fuck am I doing well I was fired from the Zoe Report um and it was heartbroken and I was how did you Repair ego from Ooh, that. I went on to Costa Rica. I took a life class. I took a life class. I started practicing yoga. I honestly, I well, this was the this was the the most important thing, and I'm so happy it happened to me in my 20s when it did because there was a definite cool factor when with being aligned with something like Rachel Zoe to be a girl in fashion and have an at Rachel Zoe email address like. I would go, like, I remember I was shopping at DVF in the meatpacking district, and they wouldn't pay any attention to me. And then I bought a dress, and then they asked if I wanted to be on the mailing list, and I gave them my email address, and five women flocked to me. And they were just, like, all of a sudden fawning over me. And that was really representative of just kind of what would happen with that alignment to that brand. Right. And so whether I liked it or not, there was a lot of ego wrapped up in that. And I don't think that I walked around, like, like peacock feathers about it because that's not my nature but I definitely like inwardly thought that that was the coolest thing ever especially I'm guessing you were 24 you said right 24 25 yeah I'm guessing a lot of your friends around you were struggling and having really shitty jobs 
Yeah, I feel, well, everybody, at the time, like, the digital fashion world was, like, kind of a teeny small group, because there was, like, the who, what, wheres, and we were all kind of, like, within, and, like, the Refinery 29s, we were all kind of, like, in that same world together, because it was really just starting. Rachel's newsletter and Goop were just kind of started at the same time. There wasn't really that um, medium, hadn't really flushed out as much as it has now. Um, So a lot of people in my world were doing similar things. A lot of people, obviously, you know, trying to be actors or that kind of thing, but everyone was kind of in the world, and I, um, so you attach a lot of identity to it. I had so much identity, and I didn't really realize how heavily my identity was attached to that until I didn't have it anymore, and then I had to really realize who Elizabeth was without that attachment, like any job, like no job. <laughs> but you're, you are lucky that that was in your 20s. It was the, the best, best lesson. lesson ever because even, you know, but it, and it's an interesting dichotomy because so much of what we do now, like it's just us. It's our lives. It's our, it's our experiences. <laughs> but at the same time, like I, I feel like there's a healthy relationship to that because of what happened back then and, and having to really kind of had that teared away from me. And so as you, like, meandered and made your way, and now That's a Retrograde is, like, kicking ass. I mean, it's doing so well. How did you – was there ever a point where you're like, I'm never going to figure this out? Like, Yes. mm -hmm. So, well, with Closet Rich, I had created something, and then four years later I was like, I don't want to sell used clothes anymore. Like, that's not what I want to be doing. I hate going to the post office. (laughs) I hate running a website. Like, I hate doing this. And it felt like – I felt trapped. Like, I couldn't – conceptualize a world where you could just put something down because that looked like failure and I really had to inwardly grapple with that of what like would I be abandoning a child like I've created this it's a big thing I'm stuck with it I guess like that was really it was so depressing but like everything kind of happened um in a way that you know, we were doing the the show and I was kind of dialing the dial back a little on my efforts towards Closet Rich, but the universe kind of like showed me that that's so retrograde held a very important place in the world before we even intended it to. And that was really through feedback from our listeners of people who were like, this changed my life. Like oh, I heard amazing. this on the show and A, B, and C happened and now this has happened and thank you. So there was like every single day there was a daily reminder to keep going with the podcast and um that it was okay to shut down the other stuff and then stuff with you I'm imagining just because of the industry we chose it's like filled with rejection even if you're winning it it chose me (laughs) oh there you go um but did you feel the same way like did you ever feel like was everything super smooth for you and your path moving up (laughs) but I mean like yes how, how how did you deal with like either rejection or get thrown off your game? Um, you know, like, was there a time you felt really like, I can't be doing that anymore, that's not working for me, or? I have had a much different path than Elizabeth. Um, I became a comedian at 22, or, like, right when I turned 22. After, like, graduating theater school and thinking I was going to be an actor, and then I came out here and was, like, kind of doing that and discovered comedy, and I was like, oh, wait, I'm funny? What's going on? Like, this is a thing. And so once I started doing stand-up, it kind of was just, like, my obsession, and I didn't have, like, any material identity outside of, like, just wanting to do that. Like, well, in that sense, it's similar. Similar, Very but there was no... Wise. The only... I guess, like, the... 
the sense of like coolness that you were explaining, like that is how I kind of felt because it felt like so like rogue and gangster (laughs) to be like literally like my whole life every day for seven years. Maybe, maybe like I was intensely doing it for like six and then I sort of discovered my own rhythm after like six years and then completely stopped doing it. But, um, was just every single night going to like multiple open mics with like a gang of comics and like we would do shows and then we'd go eat and we'd be out till four in the morning and then I'd sleep till 12 or one and then I'd like write some jokes, smoke some weed and do it all over. Like that was my every single day. So I was just living this very like, it was like, yeah, but it was what I wanted because I was coming from a, a, a space of like everyone on the East coast being like, this is what life looks like. And like, these are the things that you do. And like, this is like the way that you accomplish. And this is the way that you identify. And I just was always had a sense of like, fuck that you're all miserable. And like that I tried, I tried to be like a commuter for a year when I lived at home. I like had a job and was on antidepressants and was like, after work, I would like go to the bar with my coworkers. (laughs) And I'm like this dead life. Not for you. Can't do that. Um, but there did come a point, I think when I did the teacher training for yoga, which I don't even know what made me want to do that. Um, I think I was just doing a lot of yoga and I had a boyfriend at the time who was super into that stuff, but also was sort of smothering me. And I kind of think I needed to do something that was like just mine, just for me. And I discovered the idea of like calming your mind and, Um, that was in conflict with doing comedy because comedy is all about attaching everything to every thought and figuring out how to make that into something. And so that became my obsession of like, how can I calm the cheetah vritti and also be a comedian? And I was just like obsessed with that notion and I would ask everyone about it. And, um, something that really changed me was I saw Gary Shandling on the Paul Provenza's green room. And he was talking about that exact thing and being like a spiritual comedian. And he like, for like, you know, a large chunk of time, didn't do stand up in that, in his realization of that. And then I was like, how can we still do it? Like, it just became this thing. I wanted to figure it out. I wanted to figure it out. But then the more that I went deeply into that line of questioning with myself, the more that I realized that like, the behavior and the lifestyle that I, that was stand up was not creating like happiness within me. And then we started doing the show and it was like, everything was guiding me towards like balance and well being and like sleeping and (laughs) showing up for something outside of just like going on stage and like what essentially becomes just like verbal vomit and like jerking off and yelling at people at some point. Like (laughs) when you are an open mic comedian slash, then you like start coming up in the ranks. It's not pretty. Right. It's bad and everyone's sad and depressed. It's just like gnarly. And there was one point where I was like on a mission. So I started teaching yoga at the comedy store. And how'd that go? I mean, every people week showing people up? would show up. Like eight people would show up and I did it for like, I don't know, six months or something. So then did you, you took a pause? Like you stopped? Well, no, I then, then I got cast on a reality show. Which reality show? Um, Funny Girls. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Oxygen. And that was kind of like for me... That was almost right when we started the podcast, too. So it was weird because structure came into my life from two sides at the same time. So it was like the show, our show, and then it was that show, which was 
making me write more and making me like I was always so emotional with stand up that if I was not feeling well, I would go on stage and just yell at people and tell people like that. And it was just dark. And so when you're like right. doing a show and you have to do something that's structured and like that really yeah, the forced producers me. made them write new material like every two weeks they had to have a full new set. Thirty like, minutes ready, ready for because we were to film. Yeah, because we it were was writing wild. jokes for the plot line. Right. So it was a whole new like way of working for me, which was very good. Ultimately, for just I like, like watched her completely shift as a human being because that. I had to show up. So it's so I mean it's interesting Thanks. that both of you. It was you, beautiful. <laughs> it is amazing that both of you like in your twenties just had this kind of identity attack, and you love you both loved what you were doing. It wasn't like you were. I mean, you loved what you were doing but too. I loved it because I loved. I loved, I, uh, I still love, my favorite thing is, like, having an idea and turning it into a, a tangible reality. Like, right. that to me, like, that's, I get off on that. That is the drug of life for me. So everything I did kind of was doing that. And now it's, like, still doing it. Still doing it. But yeah. I will say that, like, I did hit a point where it really wasn't making me happy. And that was where I hit my identity crisis. And that was later where it was, like, in my late 20s where I was, like, fuck, like, if I stop doing this in this way, what does that mean for me am as, I? like, a creator and an artist? And, like, am I even that? And it just, like, really started to spiral. And so where are you now with that? I now mean, I think everything every day, is everything. Which is great. Now I think that it doesn't matter what you do. It's it's how you do it and how you feel when you're doing it. So whether – if would I rather do stand-up just for, like, the street cred or would I rather do what I'm doing for my own happiness? Yes. And by the way, like what we're doing is amazing. So it it's wasn't okay. even a comparison based thing where I'm like, this one's cooler than this. It was more just like I had trouble letting go of the thing that got me here. And now I'm realizing that like I can do it if I want to and I don't have to if I don't want to. And by the way, nobody gives a shit what you do. No. <laughs> Not as much as we give a we shit. We care yes, about absolutely. what we do, but no one on the outside. And if they do, they're assholes. If someone's looking at me like, Steph's not a comic because she's not doing comedy every day. It's like, okay. I, I mean, I love that perspective. What's your outside perspective? Because, I mean, clearly you still love fashion. Yeah. You still, So when you look towards, like, the fashion world, how do you still bring that into your life and balance, like, who you are today? Well, it's interesting. I think about this. So I got, had the opportunity to meet Patricia Field when I was, um, like, 18 or 19. She was the stylist for... Sex and City, obviously. Mrs. Fields Cookies? Yes. She's Mrs. Fields Cookies. That's actually <laughs> my friend Jen Fields' mom. Stop. Hilarious. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, um, my God. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, I asked her if I should go to fashion school, and she was like, you don't, like, all those skills you already have, like, you should study something else that will, like, expand your brain and then, like, find fashion again. So with so it was kind of, like, an interesting thing. Like, yes, I feel like I always have an innate uh, – like gravitation towards style like aesthetics like that's who I am and and it's fun to be able to bring that in into like whatever else I'm doing but I think the biggest hump that I got over mentally was that it's okay to change your path like that was the biggest thing because I that the only thing stopping me from like letting that be okay and also letting it be okay like it's kind of funny if I look back on it like I was surrounding myself with all these like creative amazing people going up on stage every single night clearly there was something in my soul that like wanted to explore that and I would I but I thought like I have to stay in this lane because this is where I chose whereas my entire upbringing I was like musical theater kid like that whole that was like my whole essence so 
Um, I had one bad audition in college, and I stopped it all because I was like mortified. I was auditioning, did a sweet charity song, it went really bad. Welcome to exactly the worst thing ever. Of course, but I like just like you know put my dick between my legs and like totally turned my back. And um, it's so funny how like no matter what, like having a microphone in front of my face, it found me. Like I feel like there was like I I could not put a stop to it. I was also gonna say like when I'm listening to him thinking about. Really, the through line is like having the courage to listen to the voice inside of you that Absolutely. says, "This is not feeling good," or "I think I'm supposed to be doing something else." And I think people and then giving yourself permission, permission to, do to it, actually do it. Like so many people let their entire lives pass them by with that like low grade numbing, yeah. "I'm unhappy" thing. I definitely felt like I chose fashion. Like I chose to start this business. I'm stuck with it. Right. Well, I say the only way to change anything is by actually creating change. Like, if you if, if you don't actually take that chance, even though it might be scary, you're never going to see anything different. Right. Yeah. Well, like, the biggest, you know, it's like, I, won't, I don't want to call it a wellness cliche, but, like, Course of Miracles says, a miracle is a shift in perspective. And, like, every time I ask for a shift in perspective, like, that, a miracle comes. So do you guys feel like when you tapped into your spiritual practice, um, like, your actual spiritual practice, that everything started clicking a little bit better? Like, do you feel like, and maybe it's no, maybe it's separate. Do you feel like success actually was on the same line of, like, your spiritual practice? Or no, spiritual practice and then success, I think. Well, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. I think a big message from our show, I know that a big message from our show is that your spiritual practice is ever-evolving. It can change at any moment, and it's really about tapping into what feels good in the moment. And um, that was something that we both had to learn to be true. Yeah, I also feel like, you know, in the way that we're like, wellness, well, journey, well, like <laughs> spiritual practice. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, because I, the more that I kind of expand, feel like life is just a spiritual practice. It absolutely and is. there's not really like a separation. So like, yes, meditate or take a bath or just <laughs> or talk for 10 minutes or journal or like, <laughs> Whatever it is, like, it doesn't have to look spiritual. And I feel like that separates, like, most of humans from, like, being in their human life, which is a spiritual life, because they think that it's, like, one thing or the other. And, like, really, to me, something spiritual is just, like, standing in the middle of, like, a market and, like, watching people live. Absolutely. Or, like, looking up for a second. No, it's such a good point. I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. Spiritual practice is every day, every moment. And you can make every moment into a spiritual practice. And I think all of us have gone into our businesses with the aspiration of trying to make it accessible. Yeah. Everyone realized you deserve that and can have that, and it doesn't have to feel so separate. So that was such a beautiful way to say it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, like, my (laughs) spiritual practice yesterday was laying on the couch and watching Southern Charm, and that was it. I mean, which is you and I, we didn't even go there. That's a whole other bonus episode. Two of us in our reality obsession. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, now I'm going to go back and find your show. But, oh my God, tune in. I don't get residuals, (laughs) (laughs) It was not on Union. But, you know, I was having this conversation with my friend yesterday, and we were both talking about, you know, kind of questioning what that voice that enters your brain is during meditation. Like, is it God? Is it your higher self? Like, what is that? And I think, depending on what you label it, it can either tune people in or tune people out. Thousand percent. So that's also kind of interesting. And it's and it's it's weird. I think people react to other people for exactly that. What labels they choose. I had a long conversation about religion with someone the other day I'm like it's so funny like people bristle at the idea of religion yeah but yet the way you can talk about quote-unquote spirituality or whatever version is can also 
be the exact same thing yeah. for someone else. It's and like, what do you believe, way. whether it's about yourself or something else or, yeah, it's however you're labeling it can totally make people It just, diverse. like, it completely separates us from just the experience of, like, it's really just, like, what do I need to know right now? Where do I need to go right now? What do I, who do I need, like, what do I need to hear? Like, and just like hearing it or not, by the way, like you can sit in meditation for 20 years and never hear a message, but you'd still be like doing something great for yourself. Oh my God, you're getting to know yourself. Totally. Which is the best part. And that's why, you know what? I think the thing that I love calling wellness is just like self-care mm-hmm. because we don't, that's not encouraged. No. But it is also very popular now of trying to figure out yeah, how to do it. I feel yeah. like that. That's good though. Absolutely. She's buzzy, that word, too. So, yeah, that's, that's my favorite name. version of, of this conversation. Of self-care. Because it really is just like, it's not, something that was like very triggering for me growing up is my mom always called me selfish. It's funny you say that because that's how I, to me, I said that was my issue with self-care is being able to take away the idea of, I'm like spending my time doing something for myself that's frivolous. That I was raised that, that, that was bad. Doing. Well, right. I'm an only child, so I'm just like, can't not think that way. Yeah, <laughs> that, you're so lucky. You are so lucky, by the way. You have a stuff out of all of but, us. But, you know, my brother and I are very strong personalities. It wasn't what? like, we weren't like told to be quiet, but it was like, if you're taking care of yourself, then you're selfish. And I think that's so sad because yeah. that was coming, and I love my mom, obviously, but that accusation, which is what it is, was coming from a woman who never took care of herself and was upset and depressed and then therefore couldn't take care of other people. You can't take care of anyone or anything if you are not taking care of yourself. Absolutely. So if it's selfish, then I guess we all need to be a little bit more selfish in order to be better for each other. But it's it's true, and I think it is getting over that hump of how to incorporate the stuff into your own life that does make you a better human all around for yourself and for others, for your friends, for your partners, for your family. But it's, but how do you get out of the mental barrier of, yes, I I deserve this time or it's okay to take this time. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people like in the work area, I always tell people you're only going to get better at your work. Like it only makes your work more efficient and better and in your personal relationship, it just helps everything. But also like how you frame it and what's your intention. Intention. You know, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another word. There we what, go. What do I get for these? <laughs> but like, if you go into the self-care thing with an intention to like block other people out, then yeah, you're being an asshole. But if you're going into it with like a loving intention and then turning around and going into your life with more openness, then that's good. But remember we got interviewed for that thing where someone was like, it was like, 10 reasons why self-care is edging into selfishness or like oh, whatever. Yeah. It's like whatever. And it is kind of an interesting conversation because you know those people where you're like, sorry, I can't hang out. Like I have to self I know. It's so hard. It really is all about, like you said, the the person and the way they're approaching mm-hmm. it. Period. And also it's like, yeah, if you can never like be decent to your friends because you're too busy doing all this. Yeah, it's probably a little selfish. Exactly. But, but that's the extreme example. <laughs> right. You guys have been amazing. I feel like I've taken up so much of your time, but I want to get to your four U's because they're okay. so fascinating. I'm going to start with you, Elizabeth. All right. So, and you can just rattle them off. Okay. Favorite book. Ooh, my favorite book. Uh, I didn't have that one. Did I switch you guys up? Yeah. Was favorite book yours? Yeah. Oh, I wrote like five books. Oh, but that's fine. So let's okay. do you first okay. then. Sorry, Sorry. Eddie. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, well, oh God, I wrote, I well, I wrote love freedom and aloneness which just was like so influential just the idea there's like there's a quote from the prophet Khalil Gibran in that about like um love not being possessive and it being something that like ebbs and flows between people and that was I needed to learn the lesson because I'm a Scorpio and like I literally just want to like possess people and like 
put them inside of my body. Can we, can we just, not to interrupt because you're supposed to be quick, but the story you talked about before we started rolling, which I thought was hilarious. What? About, you're like, that astrologer wasn't for me because I needed them to be like answering me every single second. And yeah. clearly like they, they actually had boundaries, so they weren't for me. <laughs> they weren't for me, but I know what I need. Right, I have someone who's going to give me enough attention. <laughs> I love it. And that's cool. Um, but so that was really important for me just in relationships and just relationship with myself. It's a great book for anyone like, Spirituality 101. I love that. Um, and inspirational. And oh, just, sorry, did you have more? I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I was like, let's just ignore the wild, wild country for all. <laughs> and then also in terms of like being someone who creates outside of what people expect from them. And I know this is like sort of um, cliche also, but The Fountainhead, I read that when I was like 22 years old as well. And that also changed my life. I get that. Because he doesn't I give a fuck about what anyone else thinks. And I didn't give a, I didn't want to give a fuck what anyone else thought, but I was trapped. And that was like helpful for me and being like, I'm leaving New York. Bye. Like, I'm just going to follow my instinct. I'd be, it's so funny. Anything Anne Rand, I'm always like, I want to read her at different times of my life. Because yes. I feel like anytime you read it, you're going to see something I also totally read um, Anthem, which is like the book that's not, it's like the Talk actual about. philosophical book. Oh. Where she like doesn't even label characters. It's just like, it has like Destiny, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Oh my God, I have to read that. It's, I can't believe I have it. It's good. And it's only this thick. It's not oh, like. Then done. Perfect. <laughs> like I was going to read Atlas Shrugged and I was like, I don't think I have another like 900 page book in me right now. I did that in my, <laughs> in my 30s. Yeah. It's funny. I like, you separate, it's funny. But um, inspirational teacher for you. Um, okay, I wrote down two for this. Are we, is, am I pulling back the curtain and saying that I wrote that I wrote these down? I didn't even see your answer, so oh, okay, okay. it doesn't even matter. Okay. Um, my first the curtain has been pulled. <laughs> my first inspirational teacher was my college Shakespeare professor. Um, I always loved Shakespeare in high school, and then, but it was more on like an academic level, and then in college is when he really did like acting it, and. Um, Teachers have always been super hard on me my whole life. I think it's because I'm just like extra and also a little defiant. So <laughs> I just come up against, we rub each other a little the wrong way. But he was the first person to like really see me and be like, you can do this and you're good at this and like don't doubt yourself. And I even got a tattoo because of him. What is it? It's from Measure for Measure. Where is it? It's on my back. <laughs> and um, it's a scene, it's from a scene that I did in that class where. Um, do you know what Measure for Measure is? Anybody? I don't know. I've it's one of the only plays that's not in is not a tragedy or a comedy. But it has elements of both. But no one dies and no one gets married, so it's not canonized. Um, so basically, like there's this Isabella's brother is like going to be in prison for her whole life, for his whole life. But the catch is that like the Duke's in love with Isabella and and if she just like manipulates the Duke, then he'll free her brother. And she's like. I can't, I can't do it. Like, I can't use my sexuality. I can't use my power. Like, I, he's going to die in prison, blah, blah, And the, the jester, the court jester, says this quote to her and makes her, like, do it. And it's, um, our doubts are traitors and makes us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. And it was, like, mm, that's how I felt about, like, acting, too, where I was, like, I'm inside of myself. I can't, like, I'm too afraid. And, like, in that class, I just fully... That goes so much to what we were talking about yeah. today. That's amazing. Yeah. So do you journal or have any daily practice? I've been journaling pretty much since before my letters were straight. Um, so, yeah, I journal every day. Um, there's been, like, periods of time where I skip days or weeks. But do you write, like, dear journal? No. Did you ever? I did. <laughs> when did it stop? Um, probably just when I just had too much to unload. <laughs> like, I don't have time for I that. I don't have time to address <laughs> the formality of my journal. I need to get in. I actually recently discovered my journal from when I was eight years old, like, when my parents were moving out of their house. 
my mom had kept one journal of mine from when I was a child and like literally all my letters were backwards and it was just like, but I wrote something so deep that I want to share it because it makes me laugh. Eight years old. Eight years old. I had a boyfriend. I was like very fast growing up. Like I always would like pick a boy and be like, you're my boyfriend. And like, I like how possessive you are. I'm so crazy. (laughs) And like, I would like make him kiss. I would like, we, I would get in trouble in fifth grade for like kissing my boyfriend behind the computer. Like I was just like, I didn't have sex till I was almost 18, but I was loved making out at eight years old. Who doesn't love a kiss? Yeah. It's the most fun, right? So fun. So anyways, I wrote Dear Diary. There it is. I'm in love with Michael K. The only problem is that Michael K. has a weird nose. But I'm not in love with Michael's nose. I'm in love with Michael. Whoa. (laughs) And I read that and I was like, what the fuck? At age eight? Yes. That is impressive. Like, just this, like, both bitchy (laughs) and critical but deep little soul. You were honest. I mean, that's what purpose of the journal, which is amazing. But you actually had the, like, perspective of, like, that doesn't fucking matter. That's not nice, Steph. That's yeah. amazing. So I get why my mom, she probably discovered that and was like, this is poor <laughs> This little cunt. <laughs> Michael's nose. You should just remind yourself that anytime you like, lose perspective. Michael's nose. I know. Whenever I'm like, he's not hot enough for me. <laughs> Michael's nose. Michael's, Michael's nose. nose. He was the best boyfriend. Do you, Jeopardy. Do you have a helpful ass. tip for like a deep meditation? A helpful tip would be do less. Um, less in the world or less in a practice? Like, think about it in terms of just sitting there and, like, breathing, and then you'll be meditating. So just be, like, easy on yourself just, like, and stop piling it all in. Out. Yeah, like, don't think of it as this thing where, like, now I'm meditating and now I have to, like, access something. It's just, like... Now I'm a monk. Honestly, it's unbelievable how literally just sitting for five minutes and not... Even if you're just sitting and not talking or you're just, like, staring into space, like, that's so good for you. So that's why I say, like, just do less. That's a lovely piece of advice for people. I think people are really hard on themselves when they try What's and What's your piece of advice for meditation? I, a very similar version. I'm a, I always tell people, just be so easy on mm-hmm. yourself. Because I say the same thing. I tell people... Like, for me, when I first started meditating, I was really busy. I mean, it's still always busy in my head, but, like, I was going through divorce. I was, like, had a crazy job. Everything just kind of sucked at that time. And there were times I'd sit there and not have even a second where it slowed down. And I'm like, well, that was a waste of 20 minutes. I could have been answering those phone calls or doing that work. And then I always reminded myself, I actually just sat somewhere for 20 minutes and wasn't on my phone and wasn't answering emails. And so even though my brain was, like, insane, I got... 20 minutes and that's a gift so I try and tell people it's like a different way of saying it where at the very least it's still a gift for yourself and look at it that way and I think then people kind of give themselves more permission of it doesn't you don't achieve anything just give yourself that little bit of gift and at the very least you're not doing a million things at once I think it's also like don't like when you're saying what you're saying it's because I think we tend to do it it, or we try it's like any version of self-care that you only think to do it when things are bad yes so it's you're creating a mountain for yourself. Right. So for me, like the best thing to do is to do it when I first wake up in the morning and then like before I go to bed. So it's like, it's, I'm not like, Oh my God, it's the middle of the day. Like I got, cause I used to kind of be like that where I'm like, I forgot to meditate. Like I can't do these emails. Can't like it's, and then like, it's hard because it's impossible not to think about it because you shit. actually do have shit that you're supposed to be doing. That's like been beneficial for me too. I, I start, I try and meditate now before I, I click on the mail. Yeah. Icon. Do it before. <laughs> and if I don't look at my you. email, it's changed everything. Totally. I'm like, there's already enough over like shit right. that's already waiting for me to do, which I'm already aware of. I don't need to add like 40 more things to that list before I start meditating. Totally. Because I feel like there's like two versions of me. There's like the one that functions in the world that like needs to be on email and needs to be on text and like needs everything from other people. And then there's like the version of me that wakes up in the morning and is just like, 
living in the trippiness of my dreams and like what's happening and I'm just like what the fuck that has nothing to do with the real world like at all I'm like I I want to like cultivate it's a it's a great space that space so then it's like if I meditate right then or journal right then then at least there's like something you're accessing something with more purity I I don't know if it actually leads to anything but at least it's interesting it does because it leads to you yeah and that's ultimately the purpose oh I love oh I got a sweet smile (laughs) all right Elizabeth you're up (laughs) oh you are up Favorite doctor movie? These are yours, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, that She's was like, three yeah, people ago. Um, I have three favorite docs. One is Unzipped, the Isaac Mizrahi doc from the 90s. Mm. Second is Truth or Dare, the Madonna doc from mm. the 90s. I just re-watched that recently. And then my so third favorite is uh, on that cult tip, The Source Family, which oh. is phenomenal. I have not seen it's that. It's so good. So, it. so, so good. You must watch that. Love it. Elizabeth's cult is watching cult dogs. Yeah. <laughs> My cult is watching reality. Yeah. <laughs> well, same also. I know. That's where like, people are like, what? But you're like, supposed to have like be running a spiritual program. I'm like, oh, God. They, they're one in this. Yeah, I can still can, enjoy all yeah, the crap. They're not mutually exclusive. No. So favorite food, drink, or object? What, are you, what can you not live without? Well, I was going to talk about um, skincare, which is something that for me, I had a really tumultuous, almost just over a year of just like, crazy breakouts. I could not figure out what was going on. I was seeing people left and right. And um, I finally found a woman who's based in Santa Monica. Her name is Jen Kramer. Her business is called Corrective Skincare LA. And this woman is like a fucking lighthouse in the storm. She just really helped me just turn it around. And um, I use her products. Um, like she has this great face shampoo and then she makes like these salicylic acid And you tried wipes. a million people. A million people, a million things. Was the, my alternative right before I saw her was a very, very well-known dermatologist who was a legit dermatologist told me the only thing that was going to work for me were these, um, I think they're called photodynamic face, light therapy facials. They're $600 a piece and you basically put this cream on your face you let that marinate for an hour then you sit in front of a light for like three hours and then you can't be in the sun for 48 hours afterwards so you can't be in a room with windows and then your face falls off and she told me I would have to do um three to four of them before I saw results and I was like hands up in the air just in a pile of tears just you know really your skin and this is something that hit me when I was 30 like in my 30s, like I had never experienced that before. Um, so it's just been really exciting to like have moved through that, to come out on the other side, to be able to talk about that, to help other people talk about that. And it's also so hard because skin, as much as we always try and get above like our identity anymore, like when it's the when it's on your face and it's like the first thing people see, like because I went through something similar for like a year and I remember I would just always keep my hair oh, yeah. like, down and as in front as possible and even though I'm like I know I'm more than this and I'm okay right, with it but it it just hurts it just hurts because you don't under like at least for I'll speak for myself like I didn't know I felt like it was something I was doing to myself that was creating that reaction and so I was just like, so tripped out, out about what I was consuming what I was doing what I was putting on my face to the point where I was like paralyzed I was like I, I can't wash my face because that's what's doing it like literal just incomplete so Jen confusion. Kramer's the magician yeah the magician okay. she's the angel yeah so what is the first thing you do when you wake up? I say hello to the day. I love it. Out loud or in your head? In my head. Sometimes out loud. I just kind of, I recently moved my bed so it's like facing the window and I see these beautiful palm trees and I just kind of say hi and, and, and drop in and then I like to think about five things I'm grateful for just right away. That's very similar to my morning. 
I do the same thing. I don't, like, hello, I should yeah. look at it as that. Just For me, like, I do kind of, like, like, just, what's up? Yes, I like We're to say here. thank you. Thank you. That's like, amazing. Wake it, open up, you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm in my body. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good. Good. So what is the best, worst day of your life? I was, well, we covered it early, earlier. The, the getting fired at that age was, like, so devastating because I didn't have the life experience to understand that it's kind of, like, crucial experience to become an operating human, I think, is to have, like, something you want taken away from you something you have taken away from you um and very rarely is someone's job in their 20s their job forever (laughs) right and so like that's just like and I think that because I experienced that I've been able to help so like I've always been the go-to person anytime somebody loses their job or like (laughs) or, or like wants to change their jobs like it really like I was like became like a an unexpected expert in how to you know deal with that and also be hopefully be an example for people that it can be okay that it is okay and it's part of life and it'll just a momentary thing and you'll move through it and will eventually lead you to what it is that you're supposed to be doing and it's part of the whole process and so it just so many gifts came from it and when it happened it was like so devastating I felt like the rug had been completely pulled out from under me but when that happens in life that's usually when the most magical things come from it. Yeah, you just have to be open. Yeah. You guys, I love chatting with you. And I, I think love you too. what's so amazing is you've given so many beautiful pieces of advice for people that are like struggling with identity and practice and how to make practice just such a everyday, normal, easy thing. And that is a huge gift. So like, thank you mm. for your perspective. And, and thank you guys for being so Thanks for having us. And thanks for coming on our show. We yeah. loved your episode oh God, so please. much. I love doing it's it. It's called Den Mother. For those of you who want to check that out, <laughs> we love it so much. So, <laughs> so thank you guys. You're and so don't welcome. forget, they're going to lead us in a personal practice. And it's a connection practice, something you can do with your friends or your family or anyone. Really. Yeah. Can I read a, get a poem before we do that? Sure. Just my favorite poem that's gotten me through all the hardest times in my life. It's a roomy poem. It's called The Guest House. The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent from a, as a guide from beyond. I mean, that's amazing, especially that. after the last thing you said, Elizabeth. Like, that is, those two things could not go more perfectly hand in hand. Who gets that? It's, I know, technically, you guys should work together. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, let's do it. Cool. started here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right history. Can I produce it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, thank you again. And now it's time for their practice. So we love to, really naturally, um, we've gotten to the practice of inviting or congregating our friends together for craft night. And before, you know, we'll start, we'll have food, we'll hang out, you know, just like catch up. But then we bring everybody together and we go around in the circle and we ask everyone how they are. But then we say, how are you really? And that really allows for some deep, meaningful sharing and conversation and then after everybody's gone around and shared, we all pull a card. And um, never has the card not been completely intertwined with what that person had shared. It's really spectacular. And by card, you mean like a tarot? Like a, like a tarot or? card. We like the Wild Unknown deck. 
Um, and then we vision board afterwards. But let's just make it clear that vision boarding, it's it's more of just like a choose your own adventure with 100,000 magazines in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of us make like books or boxes or like it doesn't, it's not just like yeah. what you're manifesting on a board. I don't, I'm very like the vision board thing is a little like, what is this, fifth grade? So I'm more like to just... So when you ask, how are you, how are you really, and you go around, is that at the same time for the person, or do you go around once, how are you, and then well, you go around no, twice? Well, no, we'll say, so it's, it's like, how are you? So it's like, I would say, like, I asked myself how I was, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm good. How am I really? Well, then you can, like, go So it's like there. you go around, you ask it, everyone does it internally. Yeah. And then, Got and then after that, then you go around the circle and you share. And what, what's also beautiful about this practice, it was actually shared with us by one of our friends, Olivia, who spends a lot of time at Esalen, so I'm assuming that that's like where this came from. What's really, I think, special about it is that A, the second question makes you go like much deeper and get real with yourself because I think we're sort of conditioned, like, how are you? I'm good. You know, that mm-hmm. that's the societal Fine. like thing and then you just kind of breeze past it. You don't actually go down. But then once you do go around the circle and you share what you said the first time and then what you said the second time, you know, we had a lot of emotional breakthroughs and, like, realness coming through. And the thing that's dope about that circle is that we're encur- we were encouraged not to console each other, which is something that I've never experienced before um, because – you're it's like you have to it's not really a self-soothing thing but it's like just live that let that that. person have their their whatever emotional and not trying to dump that they want to have fix it and don't try to cut it off and don't try to make it for yourself better before you ever like fully live the feeling i love this practice so basically you're in a circle with people you're clearly comfortable with you internally ask yourself how am i how am I really? Mm-hmm. And then you go around and share, and then everyone picks a card from the tarot deck, mm-hmm. and then after that, you guys get to go through magazines and kind of see what you're feeling. Let me like have with. wine and smoke joints and like have fun, and then the yeah. party begins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love it. Now honestly, you've emotionally purged. Now yeah, you totally. And like the last time that we did it, we all have like spoken since then, and so many shifts have taken place for each of us because of letting that out and like uh, giving each other permission to be like that raw and that honest, like. So, like, I remember one of our friends talked about how she really wanted to work in a certain way and it wasn't happening for her. And then she, like, after that, like, three weeks later, immediately got cast in, like, three things. And, like, just, like... That's amazing. It's really just about, like, the release. I think we just hold ourselves hostage sometimes and we prevent ourselves from accessing the feeling that we just have available to us all the time. Well, you guys, please do this. And if you do it, let me know how it goes because now let I'm curious know to know too. what the, yeah, I'm curious to know what the shifts are. So that's thank you for sharing. And I would say the crafting part is optional. It's a great, <laughs> it's, it's a so great coupling. Last time we crafted, we did what did I, I sewed stuff on my jeans. Like we just get yeah. together and like free. You're also like an unbelievably creative group. We yes. are all you know, in in the arts, so to speak. <laughs> but arts. that doesn't mean any. We're all you can do whatever you want. Creators. I mean, my daughter comes home with, like, really cute robots with, like, macaroni all over yeah, it, so why not? Exactly. She's a genius. <laughs> she's, she's a genius. <laughs> Obviously. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you so much.